Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. where we discuss the issues and news that are relevant to the unmanned technologies community. Um, the SUAS News is a place you can find the newsmakers. Uh, today we're going to discuss some current events, future shows, and we will be broadcasting live from an RPA fly-in. Um, SUS News, we're trying to blaze a new trail here as we start this series of podcasts like we talked about in the last episode, where we're going to take listeners out in the field to get an idea of what it's like to work in the unmanned aircraft technology application sector. And all you have to do as a listener to be part is just listen to be part of the history. And that's uh, some real low-impact history-making right there from your chair. <laughs> Um, I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and let's say hello, as we always do, to our co-host, Gene Robinson. Hello from uh, surprisingly overcast and rainy Texas. There's been a couple of guys up, but we'll still try to get on with it. All right, sounds good. Yeah, it's been kind of dry out there in Texas, right? A little dry and hot? Uh, Dry is not the word, but uh, we're finally getting a little rain, and we're happy for it. We've all got big smiles down in Texas. Well, I think it kind of blew through here. I'm out at uh, White Sands, and uh, we've been having a lot of rain out here. The desert's blooming. It's pretty pretty. It's pretty pretty. It's very pretty out here. Um, Let's see. I wanted to talk a little bit about the news off of the webpage. And uh, Gary had posted the story about the FAA... um, UAS CONOPS, and there was a quote from yourself, Gene, and myself, but I, I wanted to go over that a little bit more, um, and, and Gene, I know we we'd talked just before we'd gone live, too, we were kind of laughing a little about that document, but um, would you please, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe you could, you know, uh, impart some of your uh, interpretations of the document on the on us, the listening audience? Well, you know, we've always been kind of the, the square peg that has been trying to be pounded into the round hole. And uh, the FAA has always approached us from a man's standpoint. And the CONOPS really kind of puts that out there. We know that uh, some of the folks at uh, AOPA and, of course, you know, some of the guys that we work with in the, on the committees uh, in the ALPA uh, organization were really pushing for equivalent level of competency and equivalent level of equipage and that sort of thing, which we've always felt was 
a little onerous because how do you put on a, a transponder on a four-pound airplane? It's very difficult to do. So now we get the, the FAA CONOPS document, and throughout the document itself, they speak of flying under IFR rules. Well, being a pilot myself and having flown under IFR, I know that uh, the equipment requirements are significantly different than they are for VFR. And, of course, the competency issue has brought itself up in that you would also have to have the same sort of licenses, medical training, the whole nine yards to fly uh, an IFR aircraft, even though you would be in the bright sunshine of day and uh, flying a four-pound foam airplane, which me is, uh, again, a top-down approach. They're, they're looking at it from the predator standpoint, the, the gray hawks, the larger ones, and moving, not even really moving down the scale, but they're painting the, the entire industry with the same brush. And uh, it, it's something that we're going to have to work to get out of that mode. The 55-pound and under mode has just been completely forgotten. Yeah, I would concur with that notion. And I'm really, you know, like even here uh, at SUS News, <clears throat> you know, when we talk about small unmanned aircraft, I'm, I'm more on the, the, the that European mindset with the 150 kilos and under. And I really believe, and I think I've stated this before, that 95% of the market moving into the future is going to be here. I, I just, I know, you know, um, our today's guest, Myron, is rolling in the cash and can probably afford that $36,000 an hour to fly Golden Hawk. But me, I'm a working stiff. And I just can't, I can't seem to find that unless, uh, you know, they're taking bad checks. But uh, I do, um, it is very telling. Uh, I, I put out a couple of quotes, you know, uh, one of them is, is, uh, I can, you know, I can see miters fingerprints on that and that's not bad, but again, you know, you are correct, uh, Gene, when you say, you know, it's a top down approach, but that's how they've been looking at this and really, you know, um, you know, like that old saying about the, the guy with the hammer in his hand and sees everything as a nail. Uh, that's how they're looking at this. It, it screams, uh, a, a lack of input from um, actual end users and uh, small companies. It's got, you know, it's got the Cessna thing or even bigger all over it. And which leads me to, you know, put out the call that if there's anyone out there who wants to slide the rice bowl over and invest, you know, I'm, I'm ready to give it a crack. I'm a little late again to, to try and fund it by myself. But you know, I'm game. You know, we can we can uh, we could be the the Eclipse Company uh, Junior or something. You know, and try and build something. Uh, it's too bad. It'd be nice if we could. You know, I've been saying this for years. Could we please concentrate on you know? Remember the crack in the door open on the small stuff. But it just seems like everybody's just worried about the big stuff. And of course, we're worried about the big stuff because that's where the big paychecks are. Um, and the big money's at, but it is really disappointing. And uh, again, uh, some historical perspective has been lost here. You know, that was one thing that I always tried to bring to this process, and that historical process or that historical perspective. You know, we could look back at, uh, let's say, the pre-February 13, 2007 environment, where the FAA policy was that you could fly in Class B airspace. 
Um, you know, you could fly, you could call the tower and, and get permission there and fly. Um, things like that, where it was actually a pragmatic approach that would probably work. It did work. There were no mishaps. Uh, would, would you like to add some, some of that historical perspective, Gene? Well, I, I agree completely. We've, uh, of course, we've been doing search and rescue and search and recovery since 2004, and uh, we have experienced that many times where we did have to fly in, in a, a controlled airspace. And the tower was typically always very accommodating, and they always allowed us uh, to complete our mission. We did it, ex uh, you know, very expeditiously. Obviously, we didn't want to hold up any full-scale traffic, but. It went very smoothly. It always did go smoothly, and uh, right. we had we didn't have one crossword. No one got upset at us. No one said, you know, we held up anything. And it's frustrating to have to look at what we're going to have to contend with here very shortly if things continue down the same path. But with the uh, with communications that we could perform especially now with cell phones and that sort of thing in 2004 it was it was even more difficult to, to get communications to the tower but uh, with now with cell phones and even handheld radios uh, becoming cheaper and cheaper uh, there's no reason why we couldn't continue that same thing and continue to 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 fly in spaces with some limitations there's got to be limitations we all agree to that we don't want to get in the way of, of manned aviation. We want to stay as clear of that as possible. Yes, Miss and Avoid will help that situation, but we should still be able in certain circumstances and conditions to continue to, to fly the way we did prior to February 13, 2007. Well, and the other thing with that, you know, there's been a lot of pushback from AOPA on ADSB. You know, and I did see that in this document, and I've said that we should use that technology in and out. And you got the freak issues with the commercial guys and the GA guys and everybody squawking different freaks and everything else. But, you know, when the sense and avoid thing comes out and, you know, we're going to have to pony up God knows how much that Raytheon or, you know, General Atomics or Northrop Grumman's going to want for that system. But are they going to push back on that too? You know, oh, we don't, uh, we don't want to install that in our aircraft, you know. Those will be future battles. But I do think that it's uh, it's too bad. I, I'm, again, we're drawing that parallel to the auto industry circa 1974-5. I'm thinking back about Grandpa's Impala. And you may just be flying a gremlin in your future, Gene. Uh, it's too bad, but, you know, that's that's what onerous regulation um, and, you know, not having the right perspective in there will get you. And I don't want to dwell yeah. too much on that, but, you know, it's kind of a, it, it's a down, Debbie Downer subject. I wish I had happy news for you, you know, I just don't. Yeah, you know, and, and the bad part about it is, is that I did own a gremlin, and, you know, it, it was... <laughs> It was pretty rough. I, I got to tell you, uh, it would get you to point A and to point B, but the the style points were way down on the list on that one. Oh come on! It was like a high karate commercial. Where you probably had to like you know, run from the women in the gremlin. <laughs> uh, that's funny. 
Uh, okay. Well, all right. Let's move forward. I uh, like I said, I'm out here at uh, White Sands Missile Range for uh, for an exercise, and I did catch a radio broadcast from Holloman AFB. And part of that news was that they had trained more RPA pilots than man pilots last year, and I thought that was pretty impressive. Anyone listening to the podcast from Holloman, I'll be out here for a little while. And uh, I'd love to uh, come and tour the training, if that's possible. Um, I do have a security clearance. It'd be great to see that. I'd like to see what you guys are doing, and I'd like to see the future of uh, what is going to be the future for the Air Force. 2047, I'm there with you. Um, I also got to see some some launches when you're out here, and I, I will say that rockets are cool. It's it's pretty impressive. It's just like model rocketry, except it is bigger, louder, and there's more smoke. But it's pretty damn impressive. And um, moving on to today's topic, where we're actually, like we had promised, we were going to start taking people out in the field here to see what it's uh, see what it's like to to work in the um, remotely piloted aircraft or UA technologies. Uh, application sector that's what we're doing today and so Gene could you please set up uh, on today's event okay uh, we are out at the lovely Wynn Ranch just uh, outside of Wimberley Texas it's uh, been a long time RC farm field and uh, the uh, it's, it's actually our, the center of our COA that we fly out of as well so it uh, has been well documented by the FAA and uh, we are we have attempted in the past, you know, that uh, with the, uh, the the search and rescue effort, we have tried to produce uh, as much good data and, and uh, move that area forward as much as we can. And uh, Myron Sporenberg has hosted several fly-ins where we have asked people to come in, bring their technology, share what they've done and uh, come out here and fly with us and, and do some footage. So we're going to do that again this weekend. We are out here now, and as I said before, unfortunately it's raining a little bit, and uh, we've got one guy that's out, and he's already flown his wing to test fly it. He had a little mishap the other day, and it appears to be flying okay. He's had some vibration issues. But uh, we're going to see if we can get some more folks out here, and uh, we're going to do some flying and see what we can see from the air. All right, and this is just, uh, you guys are just out there today as uh, doing, your, your, there's no real exercise, you're just kind of out there like a hobby fly type of thing. Exactly, exactly. This is just a kind of a sharing of information, a networking kind of deal, and uh, seeing what we can, we can produce in the, uh, in the air. All right, well, this is exciting, you know, we're making history. Like I said uh, in the intro, all you got to do is you can be sitting in your easy chair and you're part of history. And uh, so without further ado, let's bring on our guest, Myron. Myron, are you out there? I am here. Hey, Myron, how's it going, buddy? I haven't talked to you in a while. You doing okay? Doing well down here. How are you? Doing good, doing good, crossing all my T's, getting uh, all my I's dotted for our event down here, so we're so we're getting ready for that. There's a little bit of stuff to do. 
Um, all right. Well, you know, I, I know my, I know you, Myron, for uh, many moons now, and um, but the listening audience doesn't know who you are. So could you please give us a little background? You know what you're up to and how you got here. Sure. Well, I have uh, been an avid uh, airplane model, airplane and full scale aviation fan for many, many years. I've uh, been flying models for probably close to thirty. Uh, and uh, I got into this deal, came out to Wimberley, and, and uh, met up with Gene, and we started flying aircraft with uh, with cameras. We were doing some, you know, some little real estate shoots every now and then, and and uh, that kind of flying. And then a uh, thing came up on the news about a missing person, and we thought, well, let's go, uh, let's go give this a try. So we we went out there and uh, flew a flew a mission for the sheriff's department, helping to look for a, a, a missing person, and then. That whole thing kind of snowballed. We have uh, Gene and I are, are founded uh, RP Search Services, and uh, pretty active in uh, in that arena where we go out and, and uh, you know aid in the search and recovery of of uh, you know missing person. Interesting, interesting. So so you're still involved with that? Are you doing your own thing? You still working with Gene? What, what's going on there? Well, I'm I'm currently self-employed, so I you know have to spend a little bit more time uh, more time at, at work, uh, you know, more time than than I want to. But um, you know, when I do have uh, free time, I do go uh, on the occasional search machine, and I you know still hang out at the warehouse, and, and uh, you know we we rub antennas so to speak, and, and work on the airplanes and do the uh, the, the flying out here uh, at, the, at the Wind Valley Ranch, which is which is really nice. We do. Uh, a lot of FPV out here, and and testing the uh, remotely piloted aircraft with various different electronics and uh, all different kinds of cameras and and uh, different gear. And so I started uh, doing these little fly-ins. Uh, I guess about a year ago. We, this is our third one, and unfortunately, it's uh, we're getting a little wet right now. But um, we have we do have some people that have come out to fly, and hopefully, this is going to pass pretty soon and we'll have some more air, aircraft maybe some quadcopters up in the air uh flying around seeing what's going on well it's really interesting it is kind of funny how that deal works you know we're we're doing a live broadcast and of course it starts raining but uh you know murphy's law you got to roll with it we've learned uh gene and myself have uh learned since may that you've just got to kind of roll with the punches and that's kind of how it works around here um, so yeah, okay. You got your your own business going there, and it's not building itself. You're you're having to work that yourself. Is is that what you're saying? It's requires some time. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I've got to, uh, got to get out there and 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 beat the streets to uh, to make a dollar. So yeah, I, uh, it, it takes up you know more time than I want it to, but uh, you know, got to do what you got to do. I hear you. You know, I'm I uh, I dream about uh, a forty hour a week gig. That's what I'm. I, I've been dreaming about that for years. I just want right. one of those regular forty-hour deal that that pays all the bills. And I live in California, so I'll just, just I'll just leave it right there. But well, that's good. So the business I'm I'm assuming is going good. Um, now today's event, you guys are out there. I like the premise of this. You're out here. You guys are uh, testing some equipment out there. You got a bunch of guys out there. You're spotting. You're you're doing. You're you're checking out equipment. You got different platforms out there, which I like. Uh, you know, people still ask me all the time uh, about the different platforms. There's actually a couple of uh, 
I'm doing uh, fact-checking for a couple of uh, articles and in, in some some pamphlets people may have heard of, uh, one of them being the New Yorker again, turning into being the uh, the go-to guy, which is fine. I, I like that little magazine, and I'd like to see those kids succeed. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, get their circulation out there. So whoever hasn't heard of the New Yorker magazine, you might want to pick it up. There'll be something else. I think it just went to press the other day. But anyway... Um, you know, the people keep asking, well, you know, uh, what's the difference between a cod, quadcopter and the fixed wing? And, you know, there are nuances. Of course, you're going to use these uh, for different things. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that since you guys are out there. Uh, maybe uh, you could explain, let's say, the different types of uh, operations or applications for something that's fixed wing and then the, the quadcopter for the layperson. Would, would, would either one of you guys like to, to feel that? Sure, I can I can feel that. I guess we're we're out here looking at various different uh, platforms. Uh, there's obviously quadcopters, hexacopters, tricopters, uh, you know, lots of different multi-rotor uh, type aircraft that uh, typically are used for more close-in support. If you're looking at, uh, for example, a law enforcement situation or, or something of that nature, where you you don't really need uh, a real broad view. Uh, you know, the quadcopters can get up there. Typically, they don't run for more than, you know, seven to, you know, ten minutes tops probably. And, uh, you know, you, you stick a, you know, like a GoPro camera type type deal on there, transmit that back to the ground. Uh, and so they work really well for close-in support. The fixed-wing fixed wing aircraft, uh, which, you know, are a lot better for, uh, you know, higher altitude flying a little bit further away and getting a much broader scope of uh, what's going on. Right, cover more more area. Absolutely. You know, Brian, I, I it would it would probably be a good thing for us to describe some of the the efforts that we've done on the last one. Uh, we you know we ended up putting out uh, what five targets, typical targets. We put a bicycle. We put uh, a pair of blue jeans out. We put uh, some t-shirts and brightly colored things, and some not so brightly colored things, and. These guys came out here, and, and that was their task. Their task was to go out and to, to see how many of these they could find. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of learning that went on in that. We found out what worked and what didn't work. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. And, and you know, these these uh, guys or, or participants who you're talking about, what, you know, what uh, – are these are these people that are just uh, trying to get their feet wet? Do you have anybody there that may try and apply this, let's say, as part of their job in the future, or are they testing out uh, equipment? What type of people are showing up to this event? Well, we have a, a pretty broad range of guys. Uh, you know, we we met most of these guys online, uh, primarily as as hobbyists, uh, but with the with the rapid advancement in, in electronics and the prices coming down, you can you can put so much more instrumentation on a on a, a small aircraft to do a lot of different things. Uh as Gene mentioned, you know, we, we kind of help these guys and do some training for a search and recovery or public public surface uh service type mission where, you know, they're gonna go out and look for a missing person or uh if there's any other kind of thing, you know, fire, uh events like that. So we we're trying to help these guys uh, understand what it takes to interface with law enforcement or fire or emergency management, 
and then what, like Gene said, what gear works best for which application? You got to have the right tool for the job, and there's right. there's a there's a broad range of of tools out here, uh, and then you know a pretty broad range of of guys. You know they've come from we've had guys come from uh, as far away as the other side of Houston, uh, Baytown, and then from Dallas, from San Antonio, and and we all get together and you know kind of. Uh, bump ideas off of each other and do the show and tell with the different stuff and, and uh, put them up in the air and everybody gets to kind of watch and see how the different uh, aircraft uh, uh, fly, number one, and then, you know, what kind of data they can go out, uh, gather. So there's a practical takeaway at the end of the day. You've seen, okay, well, um, this is how you're going to operate a uh, multi-rotor type of uh, platform to find uh, targets X, Y, Z, and I'm sure that if you you have these spread out a little bit, that's probably uh, multiple missions, I would assume. Um, and then the fixed wing guys, too, to fly within uh, the VLOS and all the rest of that. And uh, so at the end of the day, there's kind of a practical takeaway to you guys, like, you know, go to the pizza joint after and talk about it. Uh, you know, it, how, how does that work when um, the, that scenario, the wrap-up, let's say? Well, well, typically, I, I, a lot of. Go ahead, Myron. Okay. Uh, typically, I bring my RV out here uh, and, and uh, the barbecue pit or the, you know, the grill, and we'll we'll sit around uh, the RV and 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 tell stories. Throw throw some hot dogs on the grill and uh, and do it that way. Oh, that's cool. So, kind of at the end there, you guys are you know wrapping up the lessons learned, huh? Absolutely. And then Gene, you were going to yeah, add something. That, yeah, I think that, that the last time when, when everybody came out here, the, the biggest majority of them were flying video systems. Mm-hmm. And both in the uh, the quadcopters and the fixed wing because everyone seems to like video. And it is a, a the concentration is on first-person view. But uh, when we put them to task and we asked them to go out and find these targets, one which, by the way, was only 50 feet off of the active runway, um, there was a group of folks that flew, and uh, at the end of the day, we had one that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Myron, but he found three total of the five. That's correct. That's not and, bad. Uh, yeah, well, and there were, but there were a lot of guys out there that didn't even find the one that was 50 feet off the runway. Well, we, we had one that found it when he stumbled over it uh, because his his quadcopter ran out of juice and landed on the other side of the runway, and he had to walk through the weeds to get it, and he found it. But, uh, you know, that, that was kind of serendipitous on his part. But I think at the end of the day, everybody was like, whoa, you know, this is this is an eye-opener for us because we figured we could come out with our GoPros. And, you know, they do high-res digital and all that good stuff, and all of a sudden it's not as high-res as it needs to be. And it was quite an eye-opener for a lot of the guys. They saw what, you know, we were doing and what we've done in the past and the kind of things that it takes. And it's not just, you know, you get your, your quad running and, you know, you're in the search and rescue business or you're in the law enforcement support. It, it's a little bit more than that. You have to work at it some, and you have to get the right equipment. And I think that was a big takeaway from the last one. We had it in the summer, and, and it worked really, really well. had a bunch of folks out here. And I think that uh, given the chance that uh, some of these folks will probably be using those lessons learned today 
And it looks like we might have a little bit of a weather window. I saw a quadcopter coming out. And, of course, there's a fixed wing out there already flying. So uh, we might get to get a little flying action in here pretty quick. Well, that's pretty cool, and uh, I'm, I'm liking, you know, what I'm hearing. You know, you got to go out there, and I know, you know, um, you know, there's also the 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 first person view thing is kind of uh, interesting, and I know that the equipment's gotten better, but uh, these guys that are recording the uh, the HD, I guess, from the GoPro or whatever, and now they're going to come back and they're going to um, try and look through their video and find these targets. It's not easy to do. Um, no. There's a lot of lot of training right there, just looking, squinting photos or looking at video. And video, things happen pretty quick, you know. Um, so there's there's part of that in it, too. Huh? I, I mean, and, and I guess, you know, let me uh, ask on the setup here. So you just, you, you kind of go out there. Yeah, you, you, uh, you've preset your targets. Uh, you kind of tell people that there's some stuff out there. We got X amount of targets, or do you tell them how many targets you got out there? We told them, uh, yes, the, the last go-around, we told them we had we had five targets, and we kind of wanted to see their reactions as far as, okay, well, there's five targets. What what approach did each team have in going out and trying to find this? Did they just, you know, put the plane up and just randomly fly around, or did, you know, they say, okay, well, did they, they put a, a whole lot of thought process into, okay, I want to find these five targets. I'm going to fly from here at this area, for this area, for so long, and just kind of, just to kind of see, number one, you know, how people kind of process uh, that type of task, which is which is uh, interesting because everybody kind of did it a little bit different. Uh, and so it, it's it's one of those things where we're trying to, you know, get everybody kind of on, kind of on the same page to where they know uh, and have a, a good um, method to going out and, and getting the data that they've been tasked to get. And so it, it worked out really well. Obviously, the, the video is it's much harder to uh, to analyze when you're trying to go back and forth on uh, a DVR and you're you know you're slow motion, you're stopping, you're freeze frame. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, 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 it's definitely a process uh, to do. And, and we're discovering you know actually that uh, you know video is great for a, a live type event. Again, it would be a, a fire. You know, you're going to want you're going to want live video feed. Uh, a, a police situation or some sort of emergency deal where, you know, you want to be able to see that live as it's happening, whereas a search and recovery of a missing person, you want high-res digital stills because you can zoom in, you know, with a 12-megapixel camera. You know, you can pick out somebody's tennis shoes from 350 feet, you know, as long as, you're, you know, your camera is, is, is functioning properly. And, you know, you've got good, uh, uh, you know, good sunlight and whatnot. So it's just, again, it's it's getting everybody ramped up in knowing what is going to work for what they're trying to do. Right. Now, you know, and it's funny as you're talking about these cameras at 12 megapixel. Now, you guys remember, because I remember I was doing it, and I'm like, oh, my God, the 1.2 megapixel came out. Woo! <laughs> you know, they're ranting and raving about the quality of that thing, and now, you know, we're looking at, you know, the 12 megapixel. I, I liked the uh, Panasonic Luminex with the, the Leica lens. What, do you, what are you guys using? Oh, that's yeah. That's exactly what we use. Uh, the the, the Leica lenses are one of the best in the in the market, obviously. And uh, there are several other cameras out there that we've tried. We've tried the Nikon's and the Fujis and the others. And uh, it seems that the Panasonic does best at you know freezing the image and and getting 
the widest view that has the least distortion in it. And, uh, you know, if, and we're constantly looking. I've, I've bought a couple of cameras here recently, and there's just nothing that compares to that, that Lumix line for size and weight. And uh, now we haven't tried any of the four-thirds formats yet, and, and that might be something that uh, could be better. But uh, for, you know, anyone to get into the field right now, the, the LX2, LX3s uh, are, are great. You can get them on eBay, and uh, they're not that expensive. Now, and, and then, you know, well, one of the things that I wanted to bring up that we got from the last go-round is how innovative these guys that come out here are. They come up with some of the wildest things that you'd never think about because they're electrical engineers and they think about, you know, how, you know, radio, radio waves radiate off an antenna. And we've seen these toroid antennas and the cloverleaf antennas and all these wild things to extend their range. And uh, I was in, in awe of some of the things that these guys came up with. And that's that's another thing that, that we're pushing these guys to do is, you know, use that brain power that you got and come up with these innovations like these antennas because some of them are really cool. Now, do you have anything in the shape of uh, some longhorns? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no longhorns yet. But, you know, it would probably happen if somebody could get it done. <laughs> Turns out it works, you know. These are this is the Texas antenna right here. And I think people would know that right off the bat. <clears throat> um so that's pretty interesting and, and I'm I'm sure so every time uh, these guys come out you you see uh let's say a new crop of innovations or they building on what they have or people just trying new stuff or people just they they've got their this is my 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 set working uh, equipment here, and I'm sticking to it, and it works, and I'm doing that. Or is it kind of like a spectrum of all of that, Myron? It's definitely a spectrum of all of that. Um, just by nature of of these guys, you know, we're all we're all you know tinkers. We we like to you know experiment and play with different uh, different electronics and whatnot. So every time you, every time these guys come out, somebody has got something different. Uh, sometimes it's way different than 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 the norm or what they're used to, and then you know sometimes there are guys that are that are a little bit more uh, you know they have their security blanket on and they you know they have their tried and true equipment. But for the most part, uh, everybody's kind of pushing the envelope. You know they're trying to you know get better range, like Gene said, with the antennas. They're trying to get a better uh, you know camera. Uh, you know, CCDs or, or, you know, CMOS, there's always, you know, different ones of those that are cropping up, uh, different uh, stabilization systems, uh, on-screen di- display type systems. Some guys write their own code to do their own uh, uh, glass cockpit, so to speak. So, yeah, there's always new innovations coming out. And that's one reason we have these. You know, once every, say, you know, six months or so, you know, depending on the weather, I like to get as many people out here as I can. The last one, we had a great turnout. We probably had, I would say, 20 uh, guys that came out, you know, with different aircraft and, and different configurations and different electronics and, and the whole bit. So, uh, obviously, the weather has kind of taken a turn for the worse and scared a few people off, but uh, we just had three more show up a few minutes ago. So, uh, it's very cool to see the different uh, equipment and, and the innovation that comes with it because, you know, as, as we come out, you know, I can't afford to go by one of each type of on-screen display or each type of autopilot or stabilization system or camera or whatever, but when you get a group of 20 guys out 
and it, you know when when one guy he's got the latest and greatest stuff, everybody goes and you know looks at that and you know makes decisions. Hey, I want this or I don't like it because of this or that. So it, it definitely is uh, a cool thing to have so many you know different uh, mindsets out here uh, and and pocketbooks really because everybody wants you know different stuff. So you kind of get to see it's a, it's a big show and tell type type deal, and it and it helps everybody you know come up with more ideas and, and better gear. Well, you know, and uh, I'm just having a little brainstorm here while you're saying that. Uh, you know, this would be a, a cheap date for DARPA. And, uh, you know, I will say that DARPA is getting more innovative. They're looking at different ways. And, boy, this would be something uh, right here. If when the, I mean, I, a lot of people listen to this podcast, but this is, a, this is another a golden ideal for DARPA. I mean, it, uh, pennies on the dollar what they're spending now they could they could have people come out and do a couple of regional fly-ins and it'd be great if we could uh, team you guys up with them and uh you know come up with this criteria because it sounds like you guys have, have already kind of sussed out what works what kind of doesn't work as far as the the setup the targets the 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 con ops the uh the SOPs, um, and and I know that uh, you know there's there's all kinds of different procedures that you guys have already worked out to to round this thing out. Man, this would be a slam dunk, like a kind of a Reese's peanut butter cup with the chocolate and the peanut butter. You're putting it together, so uh, that'd be cool if we could make that connection. Because it sounds like you guys are um, making a lot of headway for a relatively low investment. Correct. Yeah, the investment is. Uh, is very low. <laughs> Gene? And we've just had our first quadcopter take off, and they are uh, headed off downfield, and uh, he is flying first-person view video and got his link set up, and, boy, that is just one stable-looking copter out there. And he is as far into the field, just at the end of my vision right now, and it is very – oh, he's inspecting some of the artwork down at the other end of the field there. And uh, I'd say he's removed by about mm, 200 yards. So he is he is doing some good work with that cop, that quadcopter. Now, has anybody thus far already found any of the targets, or or did you guys just get things rolling? That was uh, an event we did uh, the last fly-in. I can't remember. It was probably I don't know six months ago, and we had uh, we, that's when we had the, the really big turnout. So yeah, all those targets. Uh, Gene and I laid out uh, around the ranch out here. We're, we're, our flying field is about 180 acres, and we've got you know pretty much free roam to do whatever. So we we stashed these five five targets all over the ranch, uh, and then obviously you know the guys went out. They located three of them. So we already rounded that stuff up and, and brought it back in. And we'll have another one. This one is is more of a show and tell, just kind of a fun fly, so to speak. Uh, yeah next one that we put on will probably be more of a training type mission as well we'll plan on doing some controlled burns out here uh and monitoring that from uh from the air from a remotely piloted aircraft and uh you know we're going to kind of see what uh see what happens uh you know with the with the fire going and we'll probably have some guys come out for that well now i got another question now i know you guys are flying you got your spotters for v loss and all the rest of that and you're you're staying within the um the AC-9157, and, and I'm just having this this flash, okay? Now, I know you're trying to get these guys to to find these targets, and you got your spotters out there, and, and we got all these limitations. Is it is is it kind of giving away the position 
of these targets or you know is it hindering uh the search in any way or are you overcoming this and if you're overcoming it how or or is this even an issue Myron first. it's not really yeah it's not really an issue uh the area is so big and typically for example if we're looking for a missing person you know person's a pretty small speck sitting on 180 acres it takes a, a lot of skill and and a fair amount of luck to uh, to be able to actually find that person so the the limitations with AC ninety one fifty seven obviously in a, in looking you know at the future and the and the grand scope of things yeah it's it's going to be you know a problem but when it comes to the training uh, type stuff that we're doing and then the searches that I have been on and, and Gene he's been on way more way more than I have but typically you know law enforcement comes they say okay we've got an area we found the victim's car you know in this parking lot and there's you know ten acres a block away. Well, you kind of know that you're going to be flying over that 10 acres, and you can cover that in no time flat, uh, all within the uh, AC 9157 uh, regulations. It's it's real easy to do. Uh, obviously, moving forward, as uh, electronics get bigger and better, and hopefully the FAA opens the skyways up a little bit, then yeah, then there's then things are going to change. Gene. Well, I am uh, just amazed. At uh, watching this guy fly this quadcopter, I'm a fixed winger myself. I'm a planker, as they they say, and uh, he is uh, well within line of sight. But he is at the top of the hill now, looking at uh, one of the memorials that is up there, and uh, uh, the the technology that he's using is, is just amazing. It's uh, it's working out very well, and it looks very steady. And I'm sure he's getting good video back to his goggles, but. Uh, yeah, what uh, another thing that uh, to add to what Myron said is that uh, you know we we really don't have to go that far. I mean, we can cover within the, the, the limitations of 400 feet altitude and 1500 square 15, 1500 feet laterally. We can cover a lot of yards, and uh, typically a missing person is within a couple of miles of of where they were last seen, and. Uh, it's easy to to walk those areas at 1,500 feet at a time. You know, you can walk those areas and and fly the inaccessible areas very very quickly and very easily. So, uh, I don't know, he's up about 200 feet now. So this is this is pretty amazing. This is a good flight on this one. Sounds like we might have a uh, multi rotor convert in the making here. Oh, no, don't no, count no, on don't it. Get me wrong. I, they, they have their place. The tool in the toolbox, I've always been, you know, appreciative of being able to do the persistent stare and hover in one spot. But I've never been really enamored with the technology because gyros drift, uh, the GPS hold has never been very, very solid. And uh, from what I understand, this is a a fairly new Chinese uh, entry. And uh, that quadcopter is just about as solid as any quadcopter I've seen fly, you can probably hear it as he's hovering in for his final throat. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with that. I mean, I, I can't fly one to save my life. I just, I just can't. But, uh, you know, he sure makes it look easy. Hmm. 
Well, you know, I think that technology is going to get better and better, and, and I do think that uh, it's it's useful again. The tools in the toolbox, and um, I'm all about different tools for different jobs, you know, um, and that's that's really cool. So it, in the future, I mean, I know that we want to try and do more of these, and I'm going to try and uh, do one here from White Sands. And then I'm going to go to the space show, and then you guys are going to be back out there in December, at, uh, and there's a real event where you're going to be flying doing a doing a burn, right? Yes, we will be doing a uh, full-scale burn. Uh, they're going to burn 12,000 acres of Texas on purpose this time, <laughs> and uh, we're going to try to get uh, as much of that data on some sort of uh, uh, file anyway, either via uh, electro-optical IR uh, still imagery or all of the above. Yeah, it'd be cool. Uh, we'll see if we can pull this off. I know everybody's really busy, uh, but it would be cool if we could uh, host that somewhere off of the website and uh, people could kind of go to that website and check out pictures and whatnot, what's kind of happened as it's going on. Again, we're trying to uh, make history here. And over the next few months, I think that uh, we're going to pull that off. This one is definitely very enlightening. You guys are out there actually doing it in the field, watching people operate and uh, see how they, they, they overcome some of these issues. Uh, I'm, I'm really kind of looking forward to the uh, next couple of months here. Uh, we're, we're down to 60 seconds. And again, I was thinking, wow, are we going to be able to squeeze 45 minutes out of this program? And we do it every time, and we always run out of time at the end just amazes me but i want to say a big thank you to myron myron thanks for uh being on well thanks for having me hey no problem and i hope uh, to see and talk to you in the future gene uh any closing words no i think i'm going to sit out here and enjoy some of this uh this good flying that we're seeing and we'll get with you next time and hopefully have a website up yeah, that'd be excellent. And then uh, we could uh, reference what's what's going on in the background. Well, again, as always, I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. I hope you enjoyed this. You got any ideas? You want to hear anything? Let me know. I've invited Code Pink on to talk about uh, drones. That could be interesting. We'll see what happens. Till next week, everyone. See you later. Adios. See ya. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.